to anybody out there who's fairly junior in their practice, there's very little in the practice of law that you yes. cannot unfuck. Seriously, there's almost nothing that you can't unfuck. And every lawyer has fucked up something big time. And we've all, has we've all had fucked some shit up, okay? <laughs> Welcome back, all the way back, to Lawyers Behaving Badly. I'm Karen Delaney. And I am Jennifer Judge. And even though we text basically all day, every day, and have seen each other in person and had lunch um, during the interim, I also feel like I haven't talked to you in so long because it's been a while. Yeah, I saw we last recorded on December 14th. And oh my gosh. It turns out that when you take a break, it is really hard to overcome the inertia. To get yeah, back that to inertia it. was real because oh, I yeah. have so many topics and so many scripts that I have like put a title page on, and then I went to start, and I was like, "Oh, this is a lot of work." I know. So, it's like I have so yeah. much. I have so so much other stuff going on right now, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, on so many fronts, and so it's just like. This is tough. This is real tough. So that's why we are recording on a Friday and I'm just going to publish this whenever after I do a <laughs> shitty job of editing it and we'll get it pushed out and then we'll see if we can't hop back on this this podcast horse. To be fair, we tried, I think, for two weeks to come back and then like COVID ran through my house and then you had... And then it ran uh, through my house. Yeah. And then it ran through your house. So we tried really hard to start earlier than this, but life intervened in multiple ways. Um, So we we tried, but here we are. We're back. Um, How are you doing? Well, I told you when we hopped into our little recording session here that I am running on half a can of Coke in spite this morning. So (laughs) I would say business as usual. It's real because it's not Diet Dr. Pepper. So I know how real this is for you. Well, I first of all, I never drink Diet Dr. Pepper. So we discussed... No, Wait, I girl. You were the diet Dr. Pepper person. Mm-mm-mm. No, I love Dr. Pepper, but I refuse to drink diet soda. I will maybe, not do it. Maybe that's it. It's just I, the Dr. Pepper. Yeah. yeah, I would rather just drink water than have to drink diet soda. I think diet soda is disgusting. I mean, more power to the people who can actually drink it, but I think it's terrible and awful. And like I said, I would just rather either drink water or be parched like a desert. So. <laughs> See, what happened was my mind knows that you hate coffee. And so it's like blocked all other things about you other than the fact that I've converted you to matcha lattes. Yeah, well, and I have converted to iced coffee lattes (gasps) occasionally. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. Occasionally. I don't make them for myself because I'm not a coffee maker. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not an artisan like that. (laughs) But I do enjoy the occasional iced coffee latte when I'm out at a coffee shop, but it's going to be, it's got to be some real fancy shit that has like all mm-hmm. sorts of sugar in it. And it's like, you know, the Snickers iced <laughs> latte or something like that. Yeah. But I've been dipping okay. my toe in. So we'll see where that goes for me. One day you're going to tell me you love bacon and it's going to be like, who is this person? I no. don't know her anymore. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I still categorically refuse to eat bacon, but... <laughs> Which is I'm a just real putting problem. you on blast this episode. By the way. I know we can, we can go through all the things that everybody else likes that I absolutely yeah. cannot stand. And it's a real problem for me too, because my youngest loves bacon. 
And I actually, it's like I run a full-time diner in my house because mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, my kids get so much stuff like chicken nuggets and hot dogs and that's totally fine. But I do actually try to make them because I have the time and they'll actually eat it like a decent breakfast. And so they usually get like scrambled eggs and bacon yeah. for breakfast. So I'm just up here like a line cook every single morning, frying <laughs> up bacon. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, my kids, one of them is obsessed with scrambled eggs. The other one won't touch them. So it makes it very difficult to like do a breakfast like that um, in the mornings. Although that one, the one that won't eat scrambled eggs, also is very happy having a single chocolate Pop-Tart every day for the rest of his life for breakfast. Oh, that's funny. So. Yeah. So he will just make himself his little chocolate Pop-Tart and we're all set. Well, that's um, nice. And your kids are also old enough that they can kind of start doing stuff for themselves. Oh, they're know? feral. Yeah. Like we, yeah. you say it politely. I say they're feral. <laughs> they fend for yeah. themselves. Good enough. Um, and which is fine. We have like, we've set up our pantry so that there's like shelves that are the kids' shelves. And basically, as long as you pick from that shelf, have whatever, who could go for it. That's um, amazing. I love so it. we've I leaned in. Yeah. Yeah. We've leaned into um, making them, we'll call it self-sufficient. And that's the nice way to put it. Yeah. Um, unrelated. I'm sorry, but I'm getting distracted by how good your eyeshadow is. Truly. It's it's distracting because it looks so good today. Thank you. I have a lot of other video calls today. So I actually had to put in some effort and since I wasn't going to wash my hair, um, it had to be the makeup, uh, to make. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you very much. It is our favorite Danessa. Um, I was going to say this is, uh, yeah, yeah, like the the pigment, because you've got like some really nice green shadowing going on. And I was like, with that pigment, pigment, it's got to be Danessa Myricks. Thank you very much. I don't do green a lot. So this was a, this was very outside my comfort oh, zone. So I'm excited. I love green. And she literally, such... I was like, KP does it all the time. I should be able to wear green. Yeah. Yeah. So I love it. So anyway, your incredible eyeshadow aside, <laughs> what's going on? God, it's been like I don't even know how to sum up what the past month and a half. Um, oh, I didn't even bother. Like, this yeah, is so it's, much. It's so much. Like, work's insane. Everything's insane. We're back. Like, we had a very nice break of no traveling, and everybody was in town. Um, and then we didn't travel because of COVID. Um, But now everything's back in the full swing of things. And I made the mistake of signing my kids up. Um, One's in basketball right now. And then they play like spring flag football. Um, But there's like a shoulder season flag football league that I signed them up for. um, Just to keep them active and have something to do. Um, When I signed them up for it, it was like games on Friday nights. And, you know, it's going to be indoors. And then I got the schedule and everything. And it's two games, each kid every Saturday, and they appear to be outdoor games. Oh, fuck I was like, that. Well, that is, I was in like, February? that is not in February. And no. also, that's four football games a day every Saturday. No, so that's, a, was like, that's, well, a, that's a hard so, pass for me. So, well, we're doing it because I already bought like the equipment for it, most importantly. Um, so we're doing it. But I was like, yeah, my husband was like, what, what are we doing? Like, why are we, why are we punishing ourselves with this? Um, so I'm donating my weekends now to the God of kids school sports. Um, so yeah. that's what's going on in our life. We're also about to enter that time because we've got basketball at the moment and then practices for my oldest club team, uh, for baseball have already started preseason. And then the season's going to start and we've got 40 games between late February and sometime in May because we're doing tournaments on the weekends Mm -hmm. now. 
And then my youngest is also going to be doing T-ball. So this spring is going to be pretty crazy sports-wise. But I'm excited because the baseball team is great. It's so fun to see these kids develop. It's mm-hmm. also crazy just how quickly my guy is building his skill set and improving. Mm-hmm. And I know I've talked before about how obsessed with baseball he is, but this kid, like, he has been going out in the backyard every every night and he hits 100 balls off the tee. I mean, yeah, that's just like what he likes to do. And we're seeing the changes in how he's batting and hitting, you know, so it's a lot of fun. But I also in the back of my mind have kind of been like trying to figure out the logistics of, okay, he's going to be out at a tournament in like, I don't know, Midlothian or Waxahachie. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And then my little guy is also going to have his T-ball games too. So we're just going to be everywhere all at once on Mm -hmm. the weekends these days. Yeah. Gone are the days of, well, we'll just hang out together on the weekend and go to a park or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a different kind of busy. Um, But yeah, it is, it is cool though. Like my son, he played basketball last year and it was like um, in a third and fourth grade league. And so he was a third grader last year in it. And now he's a fourth grader in the third and fourth grade league. And the leaps and bounds um, of him, like, growing and growing into his body and like having control mm-hmm. over his body and knowing how to play a little bit and be more confident. Um, there's a couple of kids on his team this year that were on his team last year and the parents come up to us every game and they're like, we wouldn't even recognize him. Like he's so confident and so much better. And, you know, basically every play, cause he is, I mean, he's my son. And for those of you who don't know me, like I'm six feet tall, I'm a pretty tall person. He is already um, like five, two and he's 10. He's so um, tall for his age, yeah. He's enormous for his age. And literally every play that they have is just, you go stand under the basket and we'll pass the ball to you eventually. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so he, you know, he's center and it's he's so happy and he rebounds. And he actually like in practice the other night, some kid tried to grab the ball from him from a jump ball. And it was this tiny little kid. And my son like jerked the ball away to try and keep possession of it and sent the kid flying like five feet in the air. Oh no. Um, <laughs> And it was the coach's son and their besties. So like, they thought it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, But all the parents in the stands were like, oh, Sean's the best. So yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Um, So we're, it's like you said, it's fun to watch and experience with them as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I told you that I had a couple of announcements, but I only told you about one of them. I didn't tell (laughs) you about the others. So I can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) The, The first one is. Our limited edition 2023 slash winter merch is coming down by Valentine's Day. Although I'm not promising that because that's your job. So <laughs> <laughs> I am calendaring it now. So <laughs> if it's on my calendar, I'll do it. That's what's important here. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see how that shakes out. And that so mm-hmm. if, if you're interested in getting any of that, go ahead and get it ordered because we will be taking it down soon. Next, do you happen to know what episode number this is? Oh, no. What episode number is this? 50, bitch. I was about to say this has to be 50. Yeah, it's 50. So this is episode number 50. It's 50, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) We did it, Joe. We did it, Joe. Well, I was going to say in the style of the great Britney Spears, it's 50, bitch. (laughs) We also have crossed the 250,000 download mark. 
Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable to me. Considering when we started, we were like, maybe we'll get a thousand. I know we <laughs> are sitting right now. We're sitting at about two hundred sixty thousand downloads since launching in late November twenty twenty three. So I would say that's pretty good. That's pretty awesome. Go uh, look at us. Look at look us at go. Us. <laughs> a couple of knuckleheads giggling yes. about people doing dumb stuff. <laughs> So that's exciting. So that's it. That's those are my announcements. Well, I told you I have a hot toppy um, to update us on, but I also didn't tell you the other um, update. So it's funny. I was also going to tell you updates. I get a surprise. (laughs) Yes. So it it is breaking news. This happened apparently last night. I don't watch, but apparently it happened last night. But Tucker Carlson has vowed that if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, and that validates the attention that Taylor Swift is getting. Quote, I am going to kill myself. So I'm just throwing that out there. (laughs) There's a one in four chance. (laughs) Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Exactly. uh, This this year's looking up. (laughs) So we are a Chiefs fan household. Um, I'm just going to put that out there. We were before this announcement happened as well. Um, But if anyone, if that changes your allegiance on how these games play out, just throwing that out there. <laughs> oh, that is, yeah, no, that's that's very, that's a very important piece of information for me to have yes, as I exactly. continue, <laughs> as I continue not to pay attention to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that the Cowboys completely shit the bed like last week or two weeks ago. So yes, they did, and you can you can just assume that each oh, year. Oh, I know. I, oh, I mean, I know. I know. That. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been. I've been. Even though I don't really pay attention to uh, football, you know, my husband's a big fan, and so I've I've been around Dallas long enough to know that if you can trust the Cowboys to do anything, it's so to not do anything and to yes. shit the bed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we have that update, and then. Um, my hot toppy is, like I said, an update on Ken Paxton, um, our favorite attorney general um, that we have <laughs> talked about multiple times. Uh, <laughs> have you paid attention to what's been going on with the lawsuit that the whistleblowers filed against him? Vaguely, I have seen some of the headlines. My understanding is that he has said he's not going to defend that lawsuit anymore or like he's not going to have his office defend against that lawsuit. Is that right? Kind of. Um, So for those of you who aren't aware, um, you know, he was, as we discussed in our prior episodes, Ken Paxton had seven whistleblowers resign or who were fired from his office and have since um, sued him and the office of the attorney general for uh, discrimination and retaliation, basically, for whistleblowing against him, and then either being res- either being terminated or forced to resign. Um, they came to a settlement in that lawsuit, um, and the settlement said that they would be paid three point three million, but that had to be funded by the Texas legislature, not by Ken Paxton mm-hmm. or the Office of the Attorney General. The Texas legislature declined to do so, um, and so basically, the settlement um, was moot at that point and was voided out and. Um, the litigation went back into place. Um, Paxton has fought it still. And basically they're at the point now where discovery is occurring and he Mm -hmm. has been noticed for a deposition. And so he's been fighting this deposition notice. um, And it last week or two weeks ago, it went up to the Supreme court and the Supreme court refused to squash his deposition or quash his deposition notice. Mm -hmm. Um, So Paxton is technically supposed to be deposed, I believe, in early February as a result of this lawsuit. 
Um, so Paxton, and this is kind of his move, he announced that he is no longer defending the lawsuit and ha- his lawyers filed essentially an answer, an amended answer where he admitted all factual allegations in the complaint. Okay. So I, I am extremely perplexed. Yes. <laughs> by this strategy. So, I mean, are we thinking that he is admitting all of the allegations in the complaint saying he's not going to defend it? solely to avoid sitting for his deposition where we assume that he would have to refuse to answer questions by asserting his fifth amendment right to avoid self-incrimination. Like, is that what the play is here? Like it's so important for him to avoid people knowing that he has actually asserted his fifth amendment rights, that he simply is going to admit to all of these allegations refuse to continue defending the lawsuit and just like roll the dice with whatever happens in that case? Is that, is that what we think the strategy is? So yes, um, I don't know is the answer because there's no through line to his strategy because yes, I think he does not want to have to assert his Fifth Amendment rights um, because there is looming potential federal criminal action against him. But at the same time, How do you, he's admitting everything that's in the complaint, which would be the things that he would be claiming the fifth for in a deposition as well. So are you really buying yourself anything at that point? I don't know. Um, And also he filed an amended answer. Like what he did procedurally is he filed an amended answer that wouldn't stop a deposition from happening. Like that doesn't automatically, like that's the equivalent of Michael Scott yelling, I declare bankruptcy. Like it does nothing (laughs) in terms of procedure or discovery in a lawsuit to just file an amended answer. Um, And so he's now apparently trying to like move for default judgment against himself um, by filing (laughs) this. And the whistleblowers are like, no, no, we want the lawsuit to keep going. But crucially here's because you, you know, You'd think, okay, well, he's just going to say, fine, and you know, you collect it yourselves if you get any judgment against me. Um, no, he's saying that the judgment has to be paid by the legislature, and so they can go take it up with the legislature for any mm-hmm. judgment. So mm-hmm. then we would just get back into the entire same argument that we were earlier this summer, where the legislature declines to fund it because they're like, no, you caused this lawsuit with your actions. So that's obviously like. I don't understand the strategy other than he really doesn't want to be deposed. Um, But that's not even what caught my eye about this. Oh, okay. Do you know who is defending Ken Paxton and representing him and the office of the attorney general, both him personally and the office of the attorney general? No, I have no idea. Would you be surprised if I told you it was Louis Brisbois? Ah, (laughs) that's funny. Okay. So that made me laugh as well. Um, And for those who don't know, we've had at least one or two episodes where we've discussed Louis Brisbois. Um, So yes, they are representing him in this lawsuit. Specifically, what we discussed was that two of their partners defected, created their own firm. And then Louis Brisbois, apparently in retaliation for poaching clients, released a whole tranche of emails reflecting very racist, anti-Semitic, homophobic, sexist statements that these partners had made over the course of like 10 years. Years, years at their years, firm. <laughs> which only made it apparent that Louis Brisbois 
had known about and tolerated yes. this disgusting conduct for years, as long as these guys were willing to rake in money for Louis Brisbois. But the moment you go for, uh, form your own firm and start potentially draining work from Louis Brisbois, that that is when we stand on principle. And Too we far, let the sir. world know. Too far. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very ungentlemanly to do yes. such a thing. And that is when we will let the world know what a racist sack of shit you are it's just like disgusting to be be clear too these weren't like no-name partners at a big firm they were the heads of the labor and employment group at lewis brisbois that left yeah they were they were the heads (laughs) oh i didn't know i mean i knew they were in the labor and employment practice group which is yeah yeah they definitely knew better so anyway that's hilarious well yes cool so, worst of luck to Ken Paxton. Um, yeah. <laughs> I hope, and just as a side note, this morning I saw that a few Texas state senators have come out, ones who in, voted to um, acquit Paxton in the Senate trial, farce of a Senate trial that happened earlier th- uh, or late last year. Um, they have come out and said, well, wait, he just admitted to everything that we tried him on in this trial and we've acquitted him for that we should do it again. And oh, this time God. now that he's admitted it. So maybe we'll get impeachment trial to electric boogaloo. So <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't so, hold your breath though. <laughs> no, I mean, no, we definitely won't. Yeah. But yeah. We, one can, one can dream about the entertainment. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, worst of luck. Hope he has a terrible day. Hope he has a terrible week. Um, yeah. And we'll see where this goes. As always, eat shit Ken Paxton. Exactly. That's a, that's a starting principle for this podcast. Write it down. Exactly. <laughs> well, my, this is kind of a Hot Toppies episode. We're just easing back into exactly. the podcast biz mm-hmm. here. Because I sent you a pretty robust list of future topics mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. Like, I'm back, baby. I updated mine too, and I was like, "Look at us! We have updated oh, I can't wait for to like see. a month and a half." <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see. Yeah, we have all sorts of good content coming up. But today, what we're going to talk about is a former Troutman Pepper Hamilton Sanders, which is a mouthful of a yes. stupid firm name. <laughs> a former associate who has sued them for discrimination and retaliation. And essentially, she is black and she alleges that the firm discriminated against her and treated her differently than similarly situated non-black colleagues. She is represented by Wigdor LLP, who are not like, they're not no names in... Yeah, this is not a fly-by-night plaintiff's firm. Right. In this space, I believe they're representing a woman who is suing Sean Combs, or as he Mm -hmm. is more colloquially known, Diddy, for sexual assault. (laughs) They've sued the NFL on behalf of former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores and similarly situated black individuals, alleging that the NFL discriminates in the hiring and retention of head coaches by conducting sham interviews with black head coaching candidates so that they appear to meet a league policy requiring teams to interview diverse candidates Mm -hmm. for certain senior level coaching and front office jobs. They recently sued James Dolan and Harvey Weinstein and others alleging sexual trafficking and sexual abuse. And so last week they filed a complaint on behalf of Gita Sancano. And these are just allegations. This lawsuit Mm -hmm. has just been filed, but it was the subject of quite a bit of discussion on Twitter. Although 
I think that discussion was somewhat misdirected for reasons that we can discuss later. Mm -hmm. But that is what we're going to talk about today. These are just allegations. I also hit me up if anybody knows. I would love to know if Troutman makes its associates sign arbitration agreements because Mm -hmm. I will be absolutely crushed if this is forced into arbitration and we don't get to see what Troutman's response is. Gita is a 2019 grad who started working at Pepper Hamilton's DC office in 2019 before Pepper Hamilton merged with Troutman Sanders to become Troutman Pepper Hamilton Sanders. <laughs> Which is just like, why did you split the Troutman Sanders? I don't it, like- I know. They're like, it's only fair if we go every other one. <laughs> And I know I told you this, like, I mean, I've heard of Pepper Hamilton for a long time and have occasionally dealt with lawyers at the firm, but I, it's such a silly name. And I always in my head think of it as Peeper Hamilton and I will never <laughs> not think of it as Peeper Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. When you talked about it, even before we started recording, I was like, oh, I hope she says Peeper Hamilton in the actual <laughs> show. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Peeper Hamilton, Peeper Hamwitchy. <laughs> so Gita started in the financial services practice group in Pepper Hamilton's DC office in 2019. And she says that when she started, she was the only black attorney in that office, Mm -hmm. which like woof. Mm -hmm. And right off the bat, she says she encountered problems. She began working with a partner named Christine on FHA loans. And like any other firm, Pepper Hamilton had a billing system where you enter your time into the billing system so that the firm can produce invoices Mm -hmm. to go to clients. And Gita alleges that Christine told her not to enter her time into the firm's billing system, but instead to email her hours to Christine directly. She alleges she's the only associate who's required to email her hours to Christine for approval She asked whether this was going to cause her trouble with the firm because obviously firm policy is that you must enter your hours into the billing system. And there are some firms that take very punitive measures. Yes. If you are not doing this timely, because I mean, it's, it's, it's lost dollars. If you're not, I was about to say that's literally your job as an associate is to put your time in so that it can be billed. Like that's what you're there for at the firm. (laughs) Right. And so she asks like, is this going to, get me in trouble because that's firm policy. And she alleges that Christine basically told her, well, don't worry about it because I charge a flat rate fee to my clients. And so like your billable hours don't matter, which Mm -hmm. also doesn't make sense because you're being evaluated as an associate. One of the metrics is the number of hours that you bill and you still need to show that you're working on something. And even if you're charging a flat rate fee to your clients, Sometimes you still do need to track that you actually did work to earn that fee. And you need the money or you need the hours information to set future flat rates because you need that data. Right. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. informative data to make sure that your flat fee actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that explanation makes no sense. Gita finds out from other white attorneys at the firm that they're not required to submit their hours to a partner before entering them into the system. And she alleges that Christine was intentionally reducing Gita's hours to make Christine look more profitable. And I'm not sure I understand that. 
But the section heading here is Miss Sancano's primary supervisor steals her hours because she is black. And I mm-hmm. believe the implication is that in fact, Christine was billing clients for Gita's hours or like mm-hmm. entering Gita's hours into the system as if That's they her were own. her own. Mm-hmm. So Gita starts in August and she says that by the end of the year, she had no billable hours logged into the system. Which is wild. Like okay. that would have set off so many flags in my Thank experience. Thank you. Thank you. Because wild. I also, yes. that raised, that made me raise my eyebrows because mm-hmm. I was like, I know she started in August and it maybe takes a little bit of time to get somebody ramped up, but you should be billing something. And how do you go from August until the end of December without literally anybody else in the practice group, in the firm, looking at the fact that you have zero hours and being like, what the fuck is going on here? No, like, and I mean, at places I've been, you got an email on Monday if your hours weren't put in from the prior week. Like, and you had the office manager visiting you if they weren't put in by Tuesday from the prior week. Like there, it's incomprehensible to me that a large firm would, would allow that to happen without something going wrong there. Right. So (laughs) that was weird. Mm -hmm. A few months later in April, 2020, a partner in a different office contacts Gita because I guess this partner is handling Gita's mid-year evaluation. Mm Mm-hmm. And apparently right off the bat, this partner asks Gita, is Christine stealing your hours? Again, like, if true, wild. Like, that's not something that partners just say to brand new associates. (laughs) (laughs) Also, this partner is still employed with Troutman. And so Mm -hmm. it's wild that if this is true, this person would still be employed. Yes. Right? So. Yes. That's what Gita says. And then this this partner who's called her to do her evaluation allegedly tells Gita, I told Christine to stop requiring you to email her your hours. You need to put these in the system like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So Gita turns around and she emails Christine to tell her, hey, I've been told to put my hours in the system. Gita says Christine wrote back and says, I still need to see your time before it goes in. Which again, makes no sense unless you're mm-hmm. dealing with the world's most insane micromanager. And we know from the other allegations that Christine isn't requiring anybody else to do this. It's mm-hmm. just Gita. But it doesn't make any sense because it's not like time goes into the system and then it just gets spit out on the other end into an yeah, email she with would, a client. She would see it. Yeah, she would see it in a pre-bill. <laughs> right. You get pre-bills to review mm-hmm. and edit and then they go they go back and they get to the client. Around this time, Gita says she also gets to chatting with her assistant. And the assistant tells her that yet another partner has instructed the assistant not to enter Gita's time until Christine has reviewed it. And the assistant tells Gita, like, in 40 years of working at the firm, I have never seen this happen. Mm-hmm. And again, Gita's the only Black attorney at the firm. So, like, we're kind of putting two and two together here. Mm-hmm. Gita also reaches out to somebody who's described in the complaint as a diversity partner to ask what she should do. She also reached back out to the partner who conducted her review in the first place. And she says that shortly after this, she fell out of favor with Christine. Christine stops giving her work. So mm-hmm. she she effectively like tries to work through the way that Christine is allegedly treating her differently than everybody else. And Christine stops giving her work. Mm-hmm. 
Also around this time, the merger between Peeper Hamilton and Troutman is announced. (laughs) And the partner who did Gita's review tells Gita, like, just hold tight. Like, things will get better after the merger. And there's something in the complaint about, like, we're all going to get more work after the merger. Mm -hmm. And so you do kind of have to wonder, like, what did the workload look like in this practice group in the office generally? And were they kind of suffering at this time? Because this is also right when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And just for some color here, if she was doing FHA, you know, mortgage litigation, which it sounds like is what she was doing, all of that was stayed essentially at the very beginning of. It's not lit. She was she was in the transactional practice. It sounds like. Okay. Well, then even then. But even then. Yeah. Even then it was slowed down, too. That's, that's right. She wasn't transactional. But even then, there was a huge slowdown in a lot of that work. Yeah, um, so, so, yeah. I'd, I'd be interested. It's also interesting because, like, this complaint doesn't say anything about COVID, really, or the impact mm-hmm. of COVID. So that'd be interesting to know about. But anyway, this partner's like, just hang tight. Things will get better. Gita also alleges, I mean, this is around the time that George Floyd is murdered mm-hmm. and we have a wave of protests around the country. And she says, in the wake of George Floyd's murder, the term the firm had a town hall about standing with its black attorneys. And coincidentally, she starts getting more work. Mm-hmm. Kind of the implication being like, she's black and people are like, oh, we really do need to support yes. our black attorneys. Like, let's mm-hmm. funnel more work to her. The merger happens. She moves from financial services to the multifamily housing group. And although she is in the D.C. office, she said she started getting most of her work from Troutman attorneys in a Richmond, Virginia office. And most often from a black senior associate named Whitney, who we'll we'll come back to. Yes. During her next review, Gita claims that the practice group leader acknowledged that Gita wasn't given a fair shake. She says that to ensure that she's on a path to success, she began so-called weekly check-ins with both the practice group leader for multifamily housing and the professional development partner for multifamily housing. And she says that every Sunday from late 2020 to 2022, she would send the professional development partner and the practice group leader a chart outlining the assignments she'd completed and the partners she'd worked with. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to tell from the complaint whether she views this as punitive, neutrally, or a good thing. Yeah. Because that seems wild to me. It's very micromanagey um, to require that of an associate. So like that's, yeah, I, uh, I also, cause I read the complaint too. I didn't yeah. know which way she was taking that. Um, I didn't read it as a positive thing, but I, I didn't I read don't it know. as a negative thing from the way <laughs> yeah. that it was described in the complaint. But my gut reaction to that was that's totally insane And it seems crazy to me, unless it's a tacit acknowledgement from the firm that there has been a real problem Mm -hmm. with getting her work, and we need to make sure that people are actually directing work to her in a way that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a good point, too. Um, Because otherwise, and I think that that very well could be it, because otherwise it is 
like that's what you do when you're trying to micromanage someone um or so, yeah, or yeah. not just when you're trying to micromanage somebody it's what you do when you have somebody who is not performing to expectations exactly. and mm-hmm. you're trying to make sure that you can monitor their performance to like kind of course correct before things get too off track there so that's that's kind of hard to figure out where to place that in context mm-hmm. like how we should evaluate that she includes lots of quotes from her 2020 review mm-hmm. that are glowing. She exceeds expectations. She's a pleasure to work with. She's a quick learner. She includes quotes from a 2021 review that are equally glowing um, that describe her her can-do attitude, her constant willingness to cover for colleagues who are sick on paternity leave or simply not getting work done is beyond compare. What she lacks in expertise or deep experience, she makes up for in willingness to try and desire to learn. Gita is a reliable and dependable member of my team. She is engaged and enthusiastic about our practice. She is organized and quick to respond and complete tasks. Another reviewer said, Gita is a true leader and I expect great things from her in the future. And in 2021, she says she billed 2,300 hours when her billable requirement was only 1,900 hours. Yeah, I mean, and we can talk about this later, but if someone is a terrible associate who is doing poor work, they're usually not billing 2,300 hours. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. She says she got a raise. She got a $32,000 discretionary bonus. And she also got a COVID-19 bonus that Troutman only gave to associates who met the firm's billable requirements. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, if you're not performing well. Yeah. All external signs point to a reliable, good associate at this point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Then shit really hits the fan in early 2022 because a partner in the group announces his retirement and a guy named Matt takes over his deals. Gita says she'd worked with a retiring partner on some of his deals. She was familiar with many of his clients. She'd been asking partners to put her on more complex deals, so Matt asked if Gita could help him with one of this retiring partner's deals. And she basically says, like, Matt was a totally condescending asshole Mm -hmm. to me. And she cites this instance involving notarizing some loan documentation where normally you would put a signature block where the client's going to sign, and then you have a panel for the notary to notarize. And it typically Mm -hmm. says something, you know, like, on this day appeared before me so-and-so in the county of XYZ in the state of ABC. And it includes the notary stamp to indicate that the notary actually validated that the person signing is who they say that they Mm -hmm. are. But this particular client asked if the notary's panel could be on a separate page from the client's signature. So Gita asked her assistant to make the change. Matt's copied on that email. And within minutes, she says he called her And in a disparaging tone, began mansplaining what a notary was. (laughs) And at this point, Gita is in her third year of practice. Like, we know Mm -hmm. what a notary is. We've dealt Mm -hmm. with notaries. And once he finishes, she's like, look, I only asked my assistant to do this because this is how this client likes this done. And according to the complaint, Matt goes, oh, okay, and hangs up. (laughs) Also, a very believable interaction at a law firm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Gita gets staffed on more deals with Matt, and she says he began sending her, quote, aggressive emails questioning her cognitive ability. Okay, so remember Whitney, the Black senior associate Mm -hmm. in the Richmond, Virginia office that Gita worked with? So Whitney calls Gita up and tells Gita, well, Matt's been bitching to the practice group leader about you, 
And I went to bat for you by telling the practice group leader that, you know, any mistakes you're making are absolutely consistent with your experience and Mm -hmm. expectations for somebody at your level. And I also told the practice group leader, like, you know, you need to talk to Gita directly instead of gossiping with people about what Matt's saying about her. And Whitney tells Gita, you need to be extra careful when you're working with Matt. And that Whitney herself had requested not to work with Matt anymore because she also felt like he discriminated against Whitney as a black woman. Mm -hmm. Matt says, uh, I'm sorry, Gita says Matt's belittling continues. She says she reaches out to the DEI partner for the multifamily housing group and told them like, look, Matt's communications are microaggressions. Like Mm -hmm. this is why this is happening. And according to Gita, Troutman doesn't do anything. In early 2022, she learns from another associate in the D.C. office that the firm had hosted a training for all junior associates in the D.C. office. She wasn't invited. Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> yeah. I Honestly, to me, that was one of the most crushing could you, I mean, you could, It's so yeah. isolating. It's so isolating yes, and awful. Yes, like you're putting yourself in her shoes and realizing it. It's heartbreaking. Yes, it's awful, especially... Mm-hmm having secured a job like this at Mm -hmm. peeper now troutman (laughs) having all sorts of hopes and dreams for yourself and then finding out that you're the only one who wasn't invited to training like how the fuck does that happen why like Like, what is the explanation yeah there is no good explanation for that like no it's yeah it was heartbreaking it was it's like you said it was crushing when i read that in the complaint I was just like, oh, my God, I wanted to give her a hug. Um, Mm -hmm. So she asks a partner why she wasn't invited. And she said that partner didn't give a reason and basically was like, sorry, you weren't included and sent a calendar invitation for future trainings. Mm -hmm. Despite all of this, she bills 2,200 hours in 2022, which Which again, again, to your point. A massive, first of all, it's a massive amount. That's a a lot of hours. Like your life is... (laughs) seriously affected when you're billing 2200 2300 hours in a given year and that is a lot of work yeah that's a lot and i don't know i was only at my law firm for five years but the people who were perceived as fuck-ups weren't getting 2200 hours of work so yeah exactly there's that she has her performance review in February 2023 and again she says the remarks were outstanding although i did notice here in the complaint she didn't quote from the reviews like she did the mm-hmm. previous two years, I which I thought that too. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. And she says one review stood out, and that's Matt's. Mm-hmm. And she says that Matt said that she wasn't performing at the level that he would have expected for a 2019 grad. And she was very taken aback because, you know, although Matt's been sending her these condescending micro-aggressive emails. She's otherwise under the impression that she's performing well and Mm -hmm. she hasn't been told otherwise. So she meets with the associate review committee to basically tell them, like, Matt's never indicated to me that he's had concerns with my work. And I was quite shocked by this feedback. And she says the associate review committee laughed off her concerns, assured her basically like this is just Matt being Matt and reassured her that she was doing well. And as a result, she gets a raise and she gets a nearly $60,000 discretionary bonus. Which is, again, not something you give to underperformers. <laughs> I mean, I guess it it depends on what their structure is. Like a lot of it's mm-hmm. just tied to did you meet an hourly yeah. 
like a, a billable hours mm -hmm. requirement and she's done 2200 hours so it's like you're going to get your money but we go yeah. back to again like how are you getting 2200 hours if you're not doing like decent work fast forward to august 23 is when shit really hits the fan she has put on a deal with matt and an attorney named kelly and i guess the deal is Gita sent an email to the firm's administration department to open the matter, indicated there should be a 70-30 split between Matt and Kelly on originations. But she says both attorneys would be the quote-unquote matter responsible attorney mm -hmm. in the firm system. But that was wrong. Kelly only was supposed mm -hmm. to be the matter responsible attorney. Gita realizes her mistake. She emails the firm's administration department to let them know that Kelly should be the matter responsible attorney, not both Kelly and Matt. Mm -hmm. How are we feeling about this? It is just a typical email. Like you send it and then you realize your mistake and you respond and you're like, hey, my mistake. It should be this. Like this is such a small thing that happens when you're juggling so many things and emailing at the same time. Like totally benign insignificant yes <laughs> totally benign matt sends gita a four paragraph yes. email about this mistake mm -hmm. four fucking paragraphs like mm -hmm. jesus christ for a minor easily fixable mistake totally benign not even client facing like mm -hmm. doesn't even affect his comp like it doesn't even affect like it's not like she screwed it up and was like kelly gets all the comp not matt right. like literally doesn't affect anything <laughs> so we're gonna read this whole fucking email yes all right i am going to read it and i am matt sending this to gita I'm concerned that you thought you were clear, and clear is in scare quotes. In fact, you were the opposite of clear, and the fact that you still don't see this upon further reflection, even after I've taken the time to point it out, is what worries me. Pause. First of all, that's the first of the four paragraphs. Second of all, clearly he's talked to her about this already and is following up with an email. Well, so that was my thing, is... It sounds like there are some emails that there are either emails that preceded this or like mm -hmm. a phone call that preceded this. We don't mm -hmm. know. But there's something that came before this, which I would like to know what that was. Yes. So this is not the initial conversation about Apparently this. Again, not. benign fucking mistake. Right. <laughs> okay. Paragraph two. In your first email below, you stated Kelly should be the matter responsible attorney. Anyone reading that sentence would reasonably interpret that as a request to make Kelly the matter responsible attorney, i.e. to switch it from 100% Matt to 100% Kelly. There is no other way to interpret that sentence. If you meant to ask them to change it from Matt being 100% responsible to Matt being only 70% responsible, that is not what the sentence conveyed. You added a sentence which said, see below. And then you added a clip of the originally requested 70-30 split at the end. But that clip with the correct split contradicted your initial sentence, which requested that Kelly be 100% matter responsible. That contradiction is what made your communication anything but clear. Then, adding to the confusion in your subsequent email, you doubled down on your initial request by again saying, Kelly should be the matter responsible so it should change from Matt to Kelly. Again, I'm not sure how anyone could read that sentence to mean anything other than what it very clearly says, which is that you're asking to make Kelly the matter-responsible attorney, 
i.e. the 100% matter responsible, the only matter responsible attorney, not a 70-30 split with Matt. Okay, pause. Pause. First of all. (laughs) I'm about to have a rage stroke. (laughs) Yeah, first of all, that entire sentence is gibberish and makes no sense. Why are we referring to ourselves (laughs) in the third person, Matt? (laughs) And again, that is not clear communication either, because when I read this email the first time, I read that sentence probably four times before I figured out what in the fuck he was saying. Also, also... What blows my mind about this is, number one, why is Gita the one who's emailing the firm's administration department yes. about this? Like, either that should come from a partner or that should come from an assistant. Okay? I don't know why yes. we're having the associate do this. This number is not two, associate. No. Yeah. Uh, number two, while Matt's typing away, you added a clip of the originally requested 70-30 <laughs> split at the end. You could have picked up the fucking phone and called the firm's administration department yes. to be like, hey, I just want to make sure that we're clear on this. Like, it's a 70-30 split between us. Kelly's the matter of responsible attorney. Or you just hit reply on the email and say, hey, guys, just to be clear, this is what it is. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Boom. Done. Like, mind-boggling and exhausting 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 it's it's so exhausting okay Um, the next paragraph is worse (laughs) yeah i was about to say so buckle up because it gets worse oh my god i like feel the rant like i'm so mad right now (laughs) paragraph three this is very basic elementary communication this has nothing to do with training or understanding of multifamily transactional law this is daily required functioning okay stop fuck him Fuck him. Yes. Fuck him. Fuck him. Mm-hmm. Continue. You expressed interest in receiving my input slash feedback in real time as to your performance. So I am taking 20 minutes out of my morning right now <laughs> to explain to you in a very clear, objective, detailed analysis that when I see something like this, where it is so undeniably evident that you've made an obvious and surprising error and you're saying you still don't see the error, even after I've taken the time to point it out to you, and you're still saying you've done nothing wrong. I really don't know what more I can say here. Okay, stop. Uh, Why are we taking, first of all, 20 minutes? 20 fucking minutes. (laughs) 20 fucking minutes? What is your hourly rate? Yeah, like, this is a you problem, sir, if this took 20 minutes. This is a five-second literal fix. And by the way, 20 minutes to get this incomprehensible email complaining about her communication and the clarity of her communication. Yes. Oh, my God. Also, fuck this guy so hard for someone being like, hey, I would love any constructive feedback that you have to give me. And he's like, you're a fucking moron that can't communicate. Like, I know, absolutely. Goes, yes. This this is daily required functioning. Like, yes. Oh my, it's so insulting. It's so belittling. And let's keep in mind, she is a, what is she, like a third or fourth a third year, year at this point. Yeah. Nine, 19, 20, 21, 22. Is she the four? Four years. Yeah. I mean, she is a junior associate. And this mm-hmm. is a benign mistake. Oh, my God. Okay. And again, this isn't like Cravath emailing about a $3 billion deal where they put something wrong in the document to the client. This is a five second mistake to your billing administrator. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Continuing with the third paragraph. By the way, we're still still just in the third paragraph. We're not even done with the third paragraph. 
If you don't even see the problem, I'm not sure how you'll fix it, but it's definitely something you need to fix. Because if you had this same type of miscommunication with a client or borrower's counsel, rather than with our internal administrative team, I would have to drop everything and get on the phone immediately to do serious damage control, reassuring them that the deal is actually in capable hands. No, you wouldn't, Matt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, you wouldn't. And that would be a stupid use of your time. (laughs) Like, this is a benign mistake. And people make benign mistakes in communications to opposing counsel, in communications to clients, yes. all that like it, it should it be happening like in every communication you send to a client? No, but no. like it happens and we, we fix it and we move on. Like there's number one, again, this was a benign mistake, but to anybody out there who's fairly junior in their practice, there's very little in the practice of law that you yes. cannot unfuck. Like seriously, there's almost nothing that you can't unfuck. So, and every lawyer has fucked up something big time, and we've all, has we've all had, fucked some shit up. Okay, yeah, both minor and large. And any lawyer that has told <laughs> you that they haven't had a fuck up that they lost sleep over is either is lying, liar. is a liar, or that's terrifying because they don't realize yeah. that they fucked up something. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I mean, truly, so it, that does that does actually explain a lot of the stories that we get. But yes, <laughs> like they don't even realize that they're doing this. So you're right, like. Like, they're either a liar or we should all just be completely terrified. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it is, there are so many fuck-ups every day. Little things. Every day. And it's okay. Like, none of it is world-changing. You can fix it. Just don't make the same. Yeah, okay. Anyway, go ahead. and, And by the way, by the way, she is a junior associate. Part of what they are supposed to be doing is training her through yes. hands-on practical application of practicing law. You cannot teach somebody if you put them in a situation where they are absolutely petrified of making even the most minor mistake because they know that you're going to drop the hammer on them so hard. And this is how you create situations where bad things happen because people are afraid to tell you when they have messed something up and they would rather just hide it in hope that nobody ever knows than tell you so that you can fix it. Like you will, with this sort of environment, you Mm -hmm. are ultimately going to uh, reap some very, very negative consequences. This is not how you teach people. And it is not how you create a culture of transparency and real accountability. A thousand percent. I literally had a work conversation yesterday just where someone was like, listen, we fucked something up. You know, I'm sorry. And I was like, listen, eventually I'm going to fuck something up and I'm going to have to apologize to you. It's not a big deal. Like, we're okay. So, yeah, Um, this is not the end of the fourth paragraph. But I was going to say, we're still not done. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This is such a beating. So in the final line of the third paragraph is, Bottom line, this is not something I would expect from a fourth-year associate. And here, it, here's, we start the fourth paragraph, and this is where, like, my vision was starting to tint red um, <laughs> as I read this. I am in the office four days a week, every week, available to discuss this further in person anytime you wish. Just so we are 100% clear, I have no intention of proactively contacting you to discuss this any further as I've given you my full and candid thoughts on the matter, nor am I necessarily implying that any further discussion need be had. Rather, I am merely clarifying that I leave it to your own initiative as to whether you wish to discuss it further. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. And, you know, we talked about how this this complaint blew up online. And most of the discussion centered around this email and whether mm-hmm. this is an appropriate email to send. And a lot of the discussion ignored completely the other allegations about this yes. partner stealing her hours, about how she was the only one not invited to training about how she has had other interactions with this guy that have been awful and microaggressive and terrible and that she's complained about it and nothing has been done. And, you know, of course, every time you talk about a communication like this, that's just like so shitty and awful and condescending. Mm -hmm. You have so many people who come out of the woodwork and they're like, well, I had to deal with so much worse. This doesn't even register on my radar, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, want better for the generation that comes yes. after us. Like just because we had to eat shit doesn't mean that they should. Like we yes. make the world a better place. Don't be complacent with the fact that you had to suffer through this and so it's okay for other people to suffer through it. It's like no, you shouldn't have suffered through it either. We should mm-hmm. want a respectful workplace for everybody. It's like people don't realize multiple things can be true at once. Yes. I have received emails like this when I was a junior associate and it fucking sucks. And I don't want other people to have to go through that. I shouldn't have received them. She shouldn't receive them. It's terrible. That doesn't mean that it's okay that people are receiving them in 2024 as junior associates who are trying to learn. Like, I don't, I don't understand what's so hard to understand about that. Right. In response again to like just a completely benign mistake that, could have been cleared up in a 30 second phone call. And then we all move on. Like exactly. Which again, yes, it's, this is a, this is a mistake where you just reply on. You're like, Hey, to be clear, so-and-so the end, like it requires no more than five seconds of your thought that day. (laughs) The other point that I wanted to make about the online discourse about this and the fact that people had so many opinions about whether this Mm -hmm. is an abusive way to communicate to your subordinates or it's not, is it's like, Okay, Chad, but that completely misses the point that what she's alleging is that he didn't speak this Mm -hmm. way to anybody else. So do you see a problem with him allegedly being sunshine and roses to everybody else he deals with, but to the lone black associate in this practice group being like, well, this is a matter of basic functioning. And so that to me was one reason that the kind of all the discourse around this online completely, absolutely missed the point about the significance of this email, regardless of whether you think it's acceptable. It's like, right, but they're saying there is disparate treatment on the basis of race. Do you perceive a problem with that piece? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And don't forget that the only other black lawyer who became the partner is the one who also said he treated her the same way and she refused to work with him. So there's clearly a pattern here, you know, based on these allegations. And if he's treating her differently and he's treating this other black associate differently, then they have every right to draw certain conclusions from that as a result of this ridiculous email. Right. It's like, what do these two people have in common Mm -hmm. that allegedly other people don't? (laughs) Mm-hmm. And do we have a problem with that? With him so, questioning their basic intelligence and yeah. no one else's, allegedly. So that was just a really frustrating part of the online discourse is 
you know, mm-hmm. okay, you're taking this like completely outside the context of the complaint and the, back in my day. Blah, 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 blah. I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, they're probably like back in my day. We could just be openly racist. You exactly. Know, like, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to do these coded microaggressions. Yeah, we didn't have to work for our racism. <laughs> So, yeah, I just, like, I didn't want that to get lost in the discussion. Like, please, people, let's not miss the point here. So Gita says she was, quote, dismayed by this Mm -hmm. email, which I think is a very gentle way of describing a reasonable person's reaction to this email. And she says in her complaint that she responded by saying, you know, I appreciate the feedback, but I'm not going to tolerate you questioning my intelligence and belittling me. Quote, I worked hard to be here and I deserve to be here like every other associate. And she forwards this email to the practice group leader and other partners in her practice group and asks to speak to the practice group leader about this. He never responds. Mm -hmm. Of course not. She says over the next two days, she brought her concerns to five different partners, all of whom, quote, sidelined her concerns. She talks about she had a meeting with a career coach that I guess is somebody internal to Troutman. It, mm-hmm. Interestingly, Troutman is not on this individual's LinkedIn profile. I kind of wonder if she took it off after she was named <laughs> in this. <laughs> she shows up in this lawsuit as a character. But she gets to talking to her career coach a couple of days later, shares this email. The career coach is like, that's racist. And um, she, Gita tells the career coach, like, I know I'm being treated differently than my white colleagues. Um, but I also am concerned that like, if I bring this to the practice group, they're going to dismiss my concerns because they've done it before. Mm -hmm. And the career coach is like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how to help you. Like you can report this guy to HR. You can go to the general counsel because like, this is definitely racist. You could like, maybe you reach out to my boss, who's the chief legal talent officer for advice. So a week after Matt sends the email where, according to her complaint, like nobody has even responded to her request to discuss this, Gita goes to HR to file a complaint. And she tells HR, look, I know Matt doesn't speak to my colleagues like this. And Mm -hmm. I feel like he's targeting me because I'm the only black woman in this practice group. Four days after her complaint, she says a black partner drops by her office. She immediately suspects like, oh, the firm has sent him to kind of like deal with me. Mm -hmm. But she explains to him what's been going on. And she says that this partner tells her, quote, if I were you, I would leave the firm because I could not stand the sight of seeing him. Mm -hmm. And she's completely taken aback. And then he also tells her, well, you don't want people in this group thinking that you can't take feedback Mm -hmm. and she feels like basically you know this comes four days after she's made an hr complaint unclear who knows that she's made this complaint but like you know it's a law firm and an office of a law firm i would assume that everybody knows because yeah that's just what yeah (laughs) yeah uh, so she feels like this is like a blatant attempt to push me out and she goes back to that partner later and she's like i'm like i'm not getting pushed out And this partner says, okay, well, conversations are being had, which sounds Mm -hmm. very ominous. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, HR tells her they're opening a formal investigation into Matt's conduct. She provides a formal statement. She provides her email communications. She says in the weeks that follow, other people are continuously telling her like what an asset she is. She's a rock star. The firm trots her out to various um, events like at an HBCU, I think. And she goes Mm -hmm. to some dinner and accepts a diversity award. 
on behalf of the firm. Two months after she files her HR complaint, HR finally gets back to her. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, look, we think the email was inappropriate, but it's not racist. And she says that the HR representative told her that they found that Matt treated people at his prior job in the same way. And thus he was not singling out Gita, which Mm -hmm. pause. Yes. Discuss because I was like, A, how do they know that? B, why is that relevant to his conduct at the firm? Yeah. That was, and I was like, did they mean prior to the merger? But I don't think that's it. And so it was, it was odd. It was very odd because that's not a standard HR finding. Like, oh, right. well, we know so-and-so from another job and they didn't discriminate against people then. So clearly he can't do it now. <laughs> and that's also like not something you would share with the complainant, no. right? Like no, you would not never tell them like, no. hey, God, like this guy was such a fucking asshole at his last job. So mm-hmm. like he's not, he's not being racist to you. It's just that he's an asshole to everybody. Like that's not what you would tell them. <laughs> no, that's not what you say. Yes. <laughs> And so Gita says that she asked the HR rep, well, did you find that he treats other associates at the firm that way? And the HR rep doesn't answer, allegedly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if we're taking this at face value, sounds like a real rinky-dink investigation. Yes. And this is only two months? This is what you got? Yeah. Yeah. A month later, she gets an email from Troutman's director of professional development saying, hey, we need to meet with you in a conference room at 1.30 mm-hmm. p.m. Gita asks one of the partners copied on the email what it's about, and he says, there have been conversations and it's best we wait to talk until 1.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. Very ominous. Very ominous. She goes to the meeting. The director of professional development was attending virtually, and before Gita could even take her seat, the director told her that she was being terminated for poor performance. Yeah. Which also is just like, if that's true, that's so disrespectful. Incredibly disrespectful. I mean, and also you can't, you can't terminate someone. Well, you can, it's poor form to terminate someone for poor performance. If they've never, you've never counseled them on performance formally or put them on a pip or like, it should never be a shock when someone is terminated for performance. Like they should uh, know. <laughs> especially if they have, to, what what is this now, three months prior? Yes. Made a complaint. <laughs> made a complaint on the basis of discrimination and retaliation. Yes. yes. Based on a protected category. Yeah. Like we'd say that's not. <laughs> yeah. That's not, not best practice. <laughs> and so a partner in the room begins reading from prepared notes and saying, well, the firm has seen errors in your work. And he cites a 2023 performance review, which she hasn't even seen yet because Mm -hmm. it hasn't been delivered to her. Yes. How Mm -hmm. do we feel about that? Also not best practice. (laughs) (laughs) It's also like, yeah. I mean, if you want to make somebody feel like you are treating them in a very fundamentally unfair manner, Mm-hmm. Tell them about shitty feedback that they've never even received or had exactly. any knowledge of. Mm-hmm. So she asks for a copy of the review. She doesn't get one. She obviously, she says she's completely blindsided. She's not, to your point, she's not on any sort of action plan. Yeah. She says she never got any indication that she was in jeopardy of losing her job or that she hadn't met performance expectations in the first place. Mm-hmm. 
She also says she believes that a non-Black associate was placed on an action plan prior to their termination, unlike her. So after this meeting, she immediately texts Whitney, who is by this point a partner in the Richmond office, Mm -hmm. to be like, I got fired. Whitney immediately calls her and allegedly is completely gobsmacked. And she's been giving Gita most of Gita's work. And Whitney tells Gita, nobody talked to me about this. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody talked to me about this at all. Also, Whitney is about to go out on maternity leave. I was just about to say, are you going to mention Whitney's problem too? So allegedly, Whitney is about to go out on maternity leave. And Gita says Whitney's plan was to have Gita handle her deals while she was Mm -hmm. out. So, quote, not only did the firm discriminatorily terminate Gita, but they have also hung Whitney, another black woman, out to dry. Mm -hmm. Gita gets a call from another black partner in the D.C. multifamily housing group who tells Gita that she was blindsided by this decision. Like, nobody knew that this was going to happen, allegedly. Gita finally gets a copy of this 2023 review that her termination purportedly was based on. And she says it's clear that her evaluators had no idea that she was going to be terminated because they say things like, you know, over the next year, I'd like to see Gita work on XYZ. Yeah. And she says she got an average Uh, 3.5 out of 5 on the ratings in her 2023 performance review. How are we feeling at this point? That's not usually the level at which you terminate people immediately Um, (laughs) when you're looking at needing performance improvement on an annual review, like 3.5 out of five. It's not five, but it's also not, we need to terminate them now, now bad either. That is solidly middle. Like that's solidly middle. That's not, that's not bad at all. (laughs) That doesn't seem to be bad. The one thing that I had wondered, and I did Google Troutman layoffs to see if Mm -hmm. I could find anything like stealth layoffs or something? Well, I had wondered if they did like a riff and maybe went through and, you know, evaluated people on the basis of Mm -hmm. performance to decide who should be laid off or whatever, but you still wouldn't like phrase it this way. You know what I mean? No, you wouldn't. It would be be eliminating your position. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't phrase it as you're being terminated for poor performance. So it's just very perplexing. And I, I did when I Googled Troutman layoffs, it looked like they had had layoffs earlier in 2023, but I didn't see anything reported about layoffs around this time. So the complaint doesn't say that she was part of a larger group. And at least as far as public reporting goes, it doesn't appear that she was part of some larger group. But you're right, like 3.5 out of 5 seems fine. I mean, it's is it as high as you would like it to be? No. Is it also terrible? No. But we also don't know, like, how does this compare to other associates in Mm -hmm. that group? And how, because it could be that, like, people are really harsh with how they assign ratings. Exactly. And like it's really hard to even get to a four out of five. Exactly. Like no one's ever been a five, you know? So maybe right. that's that kind the, of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, we just don't know. So she's told she's being let go for poor performance. And she alleges that after this, she hears that other Troutman employees are being told that she was fired because she filed a complaint against a partner. <laughs> Which is just how to get yourself sued for retaliation, if that's true. (laughs) That's like step one. But I mean, the timing itself, if if you take her complaint at face value, Mm -hmm. if you take her complaint at face value, the facts and specifically the timing Mm -hmm. seems to kind of suggest like, yeah, you got fired because you complained about this email that Matt sent. 
Yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, that is always going to be a huge factor in retaliation issues is how close is the timing from when you engage in the protected activity to when you suffered this adverse action. Yeah. So this was just filed last week. We are going to keep an eye on the docket to see if it gets moved to arbitration, Mm -hmm. which boo, I hope not. And we'll see. Uh, I, I didn't. I meant to look at what public statement Troutman had put out. I'm assuming that they deny this and they say that they're going to defend themselves mm-hmm. in court or whatever. So we'll see what they have to say. Can't wait. We will have to see what happens with this. Next week, we have back to the NFL shenanigans. Um, we have another NFL owner gone rogue and all the fallout from that. So we will be looking at that next week. I am so excited. Even though I am not a football fan, after the DC Commanders shenanigans, mm-hmm. I love NFL mess because it is so messy and stupid. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm and this one's even better because the owner is a lawyer. Um yeah. so it actually ties in. It actually ties into our show. So okay, cool. Aside from the cool. like three episodes that I did, which whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh that general counsel was in there. That's true. No, there was a, yeah. a GC in there who was doing weird yeah. stuff. Okay, awesome. Well, I am glad that we are back mm-hmm. at it. And you know, hopefully we'll put out an episode next week. I don't know. We gotta keep you guys on our toe on your toes. Exactly. We'll keep you guessing. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks everybody.